Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 11 of my podcast, Aussie Talks. We've got a really action-packed episode for you here today. We're going to be looking at the Australian election, giving a bit of a breakdown to that. We're going to be looking at how the fact that AFL umpires are so incompetent, it's an absolute joke. We're going to be looking at how UEFA, uh, with what happened in the Champions League, speak briefly about the game and also about how the fans were pepper sprayed and uh, tear gassed, which was also um, not a great sight to see. Plus many more. We got one random. Uh, we got our 60 second rant and our big call plus much more. So without further ado, let's get into our first segment, which is uh, the AFL umpires just being a disgrace. To the back and pressed here. I thought he was held. That's the game. Sydney have come from the clouds. Oh, now he's kicked the ball over the fence. It should be 50. Wowee. If that is a free kick and he's kicked the ball over the fence. Hey, just Now, a couple of episodes ago, I spoke briefly about the umpired central, and I think I made my uh, opinions of that quite clear that I'm not a fan of the rubbish umpire descent rule. Somehow since that uh, podcast came out, and I believe that was episode nine, AFL umpiring has somehow gotten worse. Over the last couple of weeks, now it's been a while since I've had a podcast, so I'll be going back a little bit here. Well, let's have a look at Friday night. Obviously, there was a very controversial finish, a very controversial finish in the Sydney-Richmond game. Now, I agree with the decision the umpire made. It's a common-sense decision. I've seen no actual rules um, either way that showed that they made the wrong call by not calling 50. Um, obviously, if it was at the MCG, I reckon they would have made the other decision just from the fact that it's all about the, the fans' reactions, and you see that with interstate uh, teams. But that Friday night game has 61 free kicks. 61 free kicks in an AFL game, 31 to 30. They're over-policing the game. So I can tell you what, this week, that you won't see anything. But I say that, round... 10. It was one of the worst umpired games I've ever watched. I watched it on the Sunday afternoon. Hawthorne beat Brisbane in one of the upsets of the season and Hawthorne got away with quite a few or free kicks that should have been paid late in the game that didn't. The free kicks in this game set a record. I believe it was the most free kicks in something like 13 or 14 years and uh, those free kicks were 36 to 27 in Hawthorne's favour. So let me, get, let me let me get this straight. 36 free kicks in a game of football against a side. We're not talking about under 12s. We're not talking about under 14s. We're talking about an AFL team got 36 free kicks paid against them and they lost the game by five points. Now, there's always going to be, in a rough tussle game, there's going to be free kicks. They've got to pay it. But they're over-policing it. I don't know who saw the footage. Lockie Neal just gave a bump to a Hawthorne bloke in the chest and they called a free kick. I've been watching footy, you know, I remember some games from back from 2009, 2010. I have never seen the game in such disarray when it comes to umpiring, when it comes to rules, when it comes to attendance. Glenn McLaughlin and all the AFL guys, oh, we've got to work on getting attendance back up. So what do we do? We implement a descent rule that isn't paid when it's supposed to be paid and then it's paid when it's not supposed to be paid. Just makes perfect sense. And no one comes to these games because it's just a headache because they're screaming at umpires the whole time because they're rubbish. And I feel sorry for umpires because they change the rules all the time and they don't know what to do. You know, I've um, I've seen some terrible decisions this year, decisions that could cost teams games. 
and they will. I can guarantee you now, the descent rule in finals will cost a team a game, 100%. But we're looking at the state of the AFL right now. It is in disarray. Brad Scott, you couldn't coach at North. You fluked with a very good side into a couple of prelims. You've now been at the AFL for six months, someone like that. You're horrendous. You're horrendous. There's no room for umpire descent. Well, this isn't even about an umpire descent. No one actually knows what the rules are because the umpires change it week to week. The Adelaide St Kilda game the other week was appalling. The first three quarters, the amount of free kicks, even Rusciuto, who's like the biggest Adelaide bloke, was commentating, was a pain in the ass to commentate. Even he was saying that St Kilda were getting robbed with these free kicks. AFL. It's, it's really simple. It's an equation. You know, they've got all these stats with champion data. Simple with attendance. Quality of the product is currently being ruined by the umpires, by rubbish decisions, by AFL administrators. Equals lower attendance. Now, the Carlton-Collingwood game had 80,000. It was great. But if we look at the percentage of fans turning up, it's less and less. Improve the product by getting rid of this rubbish descent rule or actually enforcing it when it makes sense. Not when someone naturally naturally reacts putting their arms out or they don't even pay that. When on Gold Coast game, the guy was literally like carrying on like this. Definition of descent, which is currently in the rules, they didn't pay it. AFL umpires right now are incompetent. There's very few good ones. Decisions change week to week. Get your shit together. Because otherwise, attendance will keep going down. People will go watch other stuff. There should not be 60 free kicks in a game of football. 60. It is a contact sport. It is not netball. It is a contact sport. Lovely touch by Salah. Still going Salah. Quarter again. What a save. Fantastic save. Now I want to speak about now something that I got up at 5am uh, to watch on Sunday. It was, of course, the Champions League final, and I'm a Liverpool fan, and I was absolutely gutted. Real Madrid were not the better side. They had one shot on target that was actually legal because they had the one that was disallowed, and they won. And you know what? Credit to them. Courtois came out with the best performance I've ever seen from a goalkeeper in the most clutch situation. 100%. You could not play any better as a goalkeeper. His saves on Mane's shots that came off the post, his shot, his save shot on Salah in the 80th minute was spot on. Militao, their defence was superb. Carvajal also played a very good game for them. Liverpool didn't take their chances and in two finals that they won, they won it on penalties. They didn't score in 120 minutes and they couldn't score with 90 minutes. Real Madrid only had, for the entire game, four shots. Liverpool had 24. More shots, you'd reckon you'd win. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. Those uh, pissed off and uh, gutted emotions are in the past. I want to talk about more about the treatment of the French police on the fans that were coming into the venue. Now, you might have noticed that it was delayed for 36 minutes to kick off. I was tired. You had a, you know, I got up at 5 a.m., 36-minute delay. And, you know, I'll 
obviously you can't see the video, but I'll play some audio of what the chaos was like outside the ground. Opened it, and so we've gone round there, and they're laughing at you because they're not bothered. Have Real Madrid had this problem? No, they've not. It's an absolute, it's just terrible. Stranded out here for the last three hours, waiting to get through one gate with thousands of other people. There are hundreds and hundreds of riot police running around. I've had tear gas in my eyes. I will say this right now. Soccer fans, they're nuts. They're probably the most crazy in the world. And you know what? UEFA's blamed this all on fake tickets. And I'll, look, I'll put my hand up and say there was definitely people with fake tickets. Unfortunately, that's just a part of it. And those people, seriously, it's just not good enough. But French police allowed all the Real Madrid fans in through the gates were completely fine. They had five gates to get in, the Real Madrid fans. Liverpool had five gates, Liverpool fans. They had five gates to get in. They closed four of them. So what did the French police do when people were starting to get, you know, pissed off? Like, hang on, I've got an actual ticket here. I'm trying to get into the ground to watch the biggest spectacle in world football. They fired pepper spray. They tear gas Liverpool fans. I've seen some really shocking videos and photos online of people in wheelchairs getting pepper sprayed, young children being tear gassed when they're brought to the game. It's an absolute disgrace from UEFA. So what are they coming with? The fake tickets excuse. Now, the French police, they're under orders from whatever. Their behaviour was disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. It was their decision to close four out of the five gates. And you know what's concerning? What's what's the country to host the next Olympics? Um, France. Paris. What are they going to do then? They clearly can't handle big events. It was appalling. You know, but who would have thunk it? The Champions League final got delayed by 37 minutes for kickoff. How does this happen? Like, seriously, it's not a power outage, you know, that stuff. They couldn't get fans into the ground for the biggest spectacle of world football. Full stop. You know, you have a look at guys like Gary Lineker who have come out and, you know, have just completely annihilated UEFA, which is great to see. It's just young men who are wearing Liverpool shirts, getting tear-gassed, families getting tear-gassed. Now, there were dumbasses who were jumping the fence and everything like that, trying to sneak into the ground, and the security was rubbish in that sense. I think Andy Robertson came out and said something about it, and I'll play that audio for it here. Tickets were through the club, and somehow somebody told one of my mates that um, he's got a fake ticket, which I can assure definitely wasn't, because it was, you know, obviously through me. So then, obviously, the French police decided to throw tear gas on on um, fans, on families, and things like that. So, like, it's it's not been well organised. Um, you know, you. I pretty much sums it up there. And, uh, look, it's not an excuse, but it's got to be playing on some of the Liverpool players' minds when there was empty seats at the start of a Champions League final. Can you imagine, like, the AFL Grand Final getting delayed because they couldn't get fans into the venue? Um, You know, France, this is a disaster. You know, you you roll over the, the police. Appalling. Absolutely appalling. So that's just want to give my thoughts on that. Uh, absolutely disgraceful from UEFA uh, and from a police uh, of the French police who have got to somehow uh, uh, manage big events of the Rugby World Cup and the Olympics. Uh, so it's great to see that they got it all uh, sorted out. And uh, yeah, absolutely incompetent 
from UEFA, but we shouldn't expect anything less from a footballing body, uh, body that is associated with FIFA. They are both corrupt, and what they did to mainly Liverpool fans, but fans there, by closing gates, by getting the French police to do what they did, unbelievable. It is now time for a fan favourite segment of 60 Second Rant. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Now for this week's 60 Second Rant, it is uh, in regards to something that came out a little bit uh, of a time ago, uh, released by the Manningham Council. Uh, It relates to the induction of a food organics garden organics service um, from midway through next year. And the whole thing revolves around the fact that now your uh, garbage bin, that, you know, the red one that, you know, gets used the most, uh, will now be collected fortnightly. Um, So I've got 60 seconds on the clock. Uh, I'm just going to use common sense in this round. I'm not trying to get too too pissed off. I'm just going to use common sense uh, because that's something that in this decision doesn't seem to be made. 60 seconds on the clock. Three, two, one. We're underway. Seriously? Look, I'm all for a bin to save the environment and, you know, to save money and, you know, with the collections at the tip to try to stop that from happening. But bin collection every two weeks? The whole thing from the council. And it's not just Manningham Council. There's good people that work for Manningham Council. It's a lot of councils around the eastern suburbs full of, you know, environment, environment, environment. Yeah, how are we actually going to do it? Let's think about this logically here. Think about what you use in a week for rubbish. When you wheel the bins out on a Wednesday night, a Thursday night, a Friday night, whatever it is, how full is it? Is it full? You'd think so, or, you know, three quarters. Now, think about it. How are you meant to put uh, two weeks of rubbish into a bin that only fits maybe a week, a week and a half? Please explain that to me. The whole thing the council is doing here is making them pay more for bins. You're going to need to pay more to get a bigger bin. And what does that do? That gives the council bigger rates. And what does that do? Oh, it allows them to give them a pay rise during COVID, which is what they did. And that's the 60 seconds up. But the same thing applies. Common sense here. The program could work. It's good to allow for more um, compost and that sort of stuff, but a fortnight garbage collection? For goodness sake. Now, I know a lot of my podcast listeners have asked me over the last couple of weeks what my... uh, or last week or so, what my thoughts are on the recent federal election. Now, just over a week ago on Saturday night, the coalition um, lost the government. They, uh, Scott Morrison is no longer the Prime Minister, and Albanese has won the uh, election, and as of today has formed majority government, which is what you would want. Uh, if you want a stable government, you need a majority government. Um, and look, democracy... It's a great thing. We allowed, um, you know, to vote to vote in whoever we see uh, fits our beliefs. And although I don't agree with a majority of the decision to bring in a Labor Prime Minister who can't remember the national unemployment rate uh, or the cash rate or his own policies and has $8 billion uh, in extra policy spending, uh, it is democracy at the end of the day. And I think people got sick of Scott Morrison um, and brought in Albo. And this was Albo last Saturday night. And tomorrow, together, we begin the work of building a better future. 
Now, I'm just looking here at the results of the election, and it's quite interesting. The Labor Party only got 32.8% of primary vote. The coalition got 36.1%. Now, for those of you who may not understand how it's possible for a party to get 4% more in primary vote but lose um, government, it's because of our preferential voting system. We have preferences and preferences decided the election. Uh, Labor preference the Greens, Green preference Labor, these fake teal independents uh, preferenced Labor, um, and that's what got them over the hump. But I was actually having a look. It is the lowest primary primary vote for a government to be elected since 1906. So you've got to go back over 115 years for a government to be elected with a lower primary vote than Labor, which had 32.8%. They had a swing against them nationally, a 0.5% swing against them. Now, the coalition had a negative 5.3% swing against them. It was clearly a vote against Scott Morrison and 18 seats have been lost by the coalition and Labor have picked up eight. The Greens somehow have now four seats in the lower house, um, which shows it's a lot of my generation and you know we're allowed to disagree and that's a great part about discussion we we can disagree um but the thing is with the greens it's the climate the climate they've got nothing else that actually uh makes sense and it's a good thing that they don't hold the balance of power in the lower house but they will in the upper house i think the really important thing and this is a uh, sort of a rebellion against the two major parties is that the others um other parties not the one nation or the united australia party uh they've got a two percent swing towards them. Uh, 1.3 million votes they got from first preference, uh, whether that be the fake teal independence or as uh, a lot of dub- lot of people have dubbed them the Tiffany independence uh, because they only go to rich seats um, and then go and complain about the climate despite having, um, you know, four cars in their garage. But irrespective of that, we've seen a lot of freedom candidates um unfortunately it doesn't seem like too many of them have been elected uh, either in the senate or the lower house they sort of split the vote between them and in terms of a campaign um these freedom parties or these independents they really didn't help themselves because they, they you know took votes off one another um and you know that's that's something that was expected to happen but i think it's a good thing um, that the coalition and Labor have both put a very low primary vote, um, the lowest again for a government to form since 1906. And I think it's going to have to take a bit of a change from both parties to go back to their fundamental beliefs and what they stand for and stick to it. Uh, Peter Dutton had a speech today. He was just elected leader of the Liberal Party and he uh, is supporting a federal I, uh, ICAC or... Uh, back whatever you call it which is good to see and i think it's distancing itself from scott morrison now scott morrison i believe will his legacy will be he was a great numbers man in terms of economics he kept australia out of a a long recession which is what was forecasted he kept the unemployment rate below four percent at the time of the election he was able to keep the boats out um whether he be prime minister or beforehand he was able to keep the economy going well and our covid rate low however he did have stuff ups his pr was horrendous so his legacy is going to be a good numbers man uh the percentages are going to look good for him but his overall pr and selling of his policy was not good at all labor party as they come in now a first term Labor Party with a majority government 
Um, and Albo said this on Saturday night, and I was actually pretty pleased to hear this because this is something that um, when you look at the look at the really woke left, um, they say they're uniting, um, and, but they really just try and cancel everyone. So he said this on Saturday night, and I was really, really pleased when he said this. A government that doesn't seek to divide, that doesn't seek to have wedges, but seeks to bring people together for our common interest and our common purpose. So it's it's really good to see that he said that, and uh, it's clear to say the uh, message didn't get through to his colleagues with uh, Tanya Plibersek uh, saying this only two or three days, I believe, after winning the election. Uh, and, you know, just think about this for uniting uh, the country and being a unifying figure for our youth and for our children and for the Australian people. This is unifying right here. And, you know, being nicer brand of politics. Well, I think there'll be a lot of children who've watched a lot of Harry Potter films who'll be very frightened of what they're seeing on TV at night, that's for sure. What, are you saying he looks strange, he looks odd? I'm saying he looks a bit like Voldemort and... Uh, and Oh, and you just thought that was it? No, 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 that's not it. The WA Premier, uh, Mark... Oh, sorry, sorry, my bad, I can't call him Mark McGowan. Chancellor, Supreme Leader McGowan, come out. And uh, he, he said this, I believe, a day after the election. Um, so, yeah, he said this about, about Dutton. Um, he's an extremist. He's an extremist. And uh, I don't think he fits with modern Australia at all. And he doesn't seem to listen. He's extremely conservative. Uh, I, I actually don't think he's that smart. I've seen him present on things. I don't really pick up there's much there. So as you can see there, we've got a real unifying uh, Labor Party members there. Tanya Plibersek, a former deputy leader of the Labor Party, just degrading another member of parliament. McGowan, a person who has locked down his state and refused to allow kids to attend their parents' funerals, calling Dutton an extremist. This is the unifying right here. This is this is the, the left going, oh, we're all very nice to one another. We want a nicer brand of politics. They've been in office for a week and two days as I'm recording this podcast, and this stuff has already been said. It is a disgrace regardless, and I mean regardless of what you think about a man politically, and I, Dutton got elected to the Liberal Party. I think he's got his pros. He's got his cons. It'll be interesting to see how he goes as a conservative and what he tries to do to try and win the next election, whether he'll go the Tony Abbott route or he'll go the Malcolm Turnbull route. Hopefully he goes the Tony Abbott route of actually going back to conservative values and not trying to appease the moderates um, or the fake liberals like Dave Sharma or a Malcolm Turnbull, as I previously have mentioned. But regardless of how you think about the man politically... An extremist? Voldemort? Come on. Come on, man. Hang on. I saw this during the week. The last time someone got, you know, called out for not having much hair on their head or having a bit of a head that isn't normal, Will Smith punched that man. So what's the difference? Will Smith punched Chris Rock for having a go at his missus without the hair. Well, imagine if Dutton had a, had a crack at Plibersek for whatever. Can you imagine the reaction there? Dutton would be stepped down from Parliament. But this is a double standards right here, and this is something that you're going to have as a government for the next three years. And Albo will do the exact same thing. Just wait. Just wait. But that's my little thoughts on the election and what's happened in the week and two days as Albo has been the Prime Minister. 
We had Dutton elected today. We had Plibersek and McGowan using terrible language against him. And regardless of how you think about a man or a woman politically, you do not attack them on their appearance. So that's my thoughts. All right, it is now time for the segment that has been every episode and is the fan favorite segment, the number one segment, Jordan's Big Call. Fate of the universe on the line or the Martians have the death beam pointed at Earth. You better hit it. I want Iguadala. The big call that I am making today is that with Boston versus the Warriors in the NBA Finals that the Golden State Warriors will win in six with Steph Curry winning Finals MVP averaging 30 points a game. That is my big call and it is going to happen. Let's go Dubs. All right. That is the end of episode 11 of Aussie Talks. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. I know it's been a couple of weeks since my last episode um, and I apologize for that. But we looked at some really good stuff today. We looked at the fact that AFL umpires are the worst we have ever seen. Looked at UEFA being just a complete joke and the uh, French police being uh, disgraceful is the only word that you can describe them as disgraceful. We also had my 60-second rant about bins. Yes, we had public transport last uh, episode and we had bins today. But thank you once again for listening. Enjoy the rest of the day. Rest of your day. Take care. Cheers.